it, it, is, it is kind of awesome how the stream of what God has been doing, even with us, is, is bringing to light the understanding of the Holy Spirit and his working through the church, right? And so if you were with us last week, we are in our Back to Sunday school series, and this is actually the last Sunday of our Back to Sunday school series, because next week here is preaching, and then in November, uh, we are launching uh, a new series. So um, it, it is awesome, as we, if you guys remember last week's sermon with Jesus being, being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and where he was tempted by Satan, and how it was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and it was, with, it was through this, this understanding of its word and spirit that Jesus was using to overcome the enemy. And it's actually the word and spirit that you and I actually have to continue to fight with as we are walking our journey with Jesus. Um, this morning there was a powerful prayer time and, and just a, a, an understanding of, of God wants to empower his church. This is something Kier spoke about last night. This is something that was on the heart of Ken as he was praying. And how many of you believe that God wants to empower you? I mean, how many of you really believe that? Uh, I, I, I'm a firm believer in this, and I want you to just kind of hear me with, with, with open ears before you shut me out. But I, I don't believe that the church, and when I mean the church, I'm not just Restoration LA. I don't believe the church universal is undertaught. And what I mean by that is, is I really believe there's, there, is, there is plenty of good churches who are following after the heart of God and his word. There are many good churches in this community. There's many good churches across the state. There are some bad churches out there, and I'm, I'm never going to be the type of person that says this is a bad church. But there are churches out there who, who veer from Scripture. There are churches out there who, who are led astray through you know just false doctrines, false prophecies, things like that. But I really believe that for those of us who, who are desperate for the word of God, I mean, just think about the, 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 the things that we have access to. I mean, you can go on the Internet and listen to basically any sermon, almost every sermon that is being put out there from, from every major preacher, from every major church stream. There is solid teaching coming across throughout the body of Christ. But I do believe that one thing, not one thing, probably the most significant thing, and we've been talking about that over the last several weeks, that, that we as a church haven't been experiencing is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Is this understanding that the Holy Spirit is alive in us, that it, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I are able to do the things that God has called us to do, right? The Bible says it's not by strength, right? No, not by power, nor by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And I don't know about you, that, that, that could scare you in some ways, that can kind of spook you out in some ways, but I want everything that God has for me. Like, can, can you just think about having a birthday party and everyone brings you gifts and you leave probably the biggest gift unwrapped? Any of you like that? Or are you guys like me? You're like, I want to see the big one first. And if we look into the book of Acts and we see what Jesus gave to his church, what she was going to need for millennia to operate in all that he wanted her to be, the gift of the Holy Spirit was the greatest gift ever given to the church. And I really want us to think about this. When the, the early church didn't, didn't even have this. They had Old Testament scripture, absolutely 
powerful. Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew Bible, Christian Bible, the word of God. But they didn't have this in their back pocket. They didn't, they didn't have a, a phone app to, to, to look up scripture in verse. The word of God was ingrained in their hearts and it was branded there by whom? The Holy Spirit, right? And so they were a- able to speak of the things of the spirit because the Holy Spirit was living inside of them. And, and I'm not telling us that we need to get rid of our Bibles. Please, I hope you're not hearing that. What I am saying is that there's this, there's this whole other part of the life that you and I, God has called us into. I mean, if you think about this song that we sing, it's, it, we're singing about the story of Lazarus, right? You remember the story of Lazarus, where Lazarus has died. They placed him in a tomb. Some of the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you need to get back. Lazarus has died. And Jesus says, okay, I, I hear you. I'll get there. Jesus finally gets there. His, his, uh, Lazarus' family is like, where were you? If you would have been here, he would have never died. And then what does Jesus do? Lazarus, come forth. It was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit, when Jesus called the name of Lazarus, where Jesus, or Lazarus raised from the dead, was the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Christ from the grave. Right? Was the same Holy Spirit that actually, whether we believe it or not, in, in our understanding of how we were drawn out of spiritual death into life when God called your name. God called you out of a spiritual grave. And for some of us, he had to pull us out of a spiritual grave. For some of us, there, were, there, was, there was others who were, God was using to help pull us out of that grave. And we're going to read something about that this morning. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It's a little bit further. Um, in Luke, we, we're, we've, we've gone through a few passages in Luke. Luke 5, 17. I'm going to read. And it starts like this, verse 17. One day while Jesus was teaching, what was he doing? Teaching. What's there? The word of God. Say the word. The word. The word's present. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So what was there? The Lord's healing power. Say power. Power. So what are we seeing again? Church. Word and spirit. Yes? We see Jesus teaching the scriptures, and then we see the Lord's healing power with Jesus. Uh, The NASB would say this, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. So there was this, this grace package with him from the Holy Spirit to bring healing. So verse... 18 reads like this. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. So I want you to picture this. Jesus is teaching, right? He's teaching Pharisees. He's teaching people. There's all these religious leaders. And, you know, there was always haters and, and fans wherever Jesus went, right? All the haters were there to find, catch him in some type of blasphemy so they can eventually stone him. And all of those who were desperate for an encounter with an authentic God were there for life. And so this is Jesus teaching this crowd. 
some men who had heard of the things that Jesus had begun to do said, man, we need, we need to get this friend of ours to this man. We need to get this guy to him. And so they kind of bring him on, on, this, um, on this stretcher, right, this sleeping mat. And they try to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some towels. I want you to think about this. They're in a church. Have you ever been to a concert? How many of you have been to a concert like standing room only? Right? Have you been to one of those? I mean, you just can't move. It's crazy. Everyone's sweaty. It's like nasty. And you're just trying to trying to hear the best, get the best sight that you could see for the people on the stage. And it's just crazy. And have you ever tried to move through something like that? Like almost physically impossible, right? It, I mean, it, it's, it's fun. You want to be there. It's exciting. But imagine if you're the person who has to get through that crowd to get to something that you need. I'm reminded of a woman with the issue of blood, right? There was crowds around Jesus wherever he was because they were desperate. They were desperate for, for a touch from Jesus. They were desperate for an encounter with Jesus. And the woman with the issue of blood, she fought her way through men and women and even the disciples. She fought her way so that she can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Now, in this case, this man wasn't able to. He was paralyzed. This man wasn't able to walk. This man wasn't able to fight through the crowds. So there's something significant happening here. He had friends. He had friends who were willing to go above and beyond so that this man could have an authentic encounter with Jesus. I mean, this is crazy. Think about this. Let's just say when, when our service gets completely packed, right, and all these and standing room only, we're going to have to take out all the chairs, and you guys are going to have to just stand up as everyone sings and preaches. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, but there's no room. And so some guys get to the roof, and they start ripping off tiles. I mean, you get, you, maybe you think of like the, like the clay tiles, right, and just ripping off those big clay tiles off of the roof, so that they can lower that guy into the middle of the room right in front of Jesus' feet. Isn't that amazing? But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd, so they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, 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 I mean, have you ever been to a game where one of those skydivers comes and, like, everyone like, gets all crazy, like, what the heck? And then the guy gets tackled, you know, and, like, they arrest the guy and all this crazy stuff happens, right? Can you just imagine what's happening? This is church. That kind of stuff isn't supposed to happen. I'm not supposed to interrupt the service. We're talking Jesus, though. How many know Jesus wasn't orthodox? How many know that Jesus did things out of the box? How many of you know that if Jesus was actually leading this church, if he was the, the, lo- the local pastor of this church, that service probably wouldn't be going from like 10 to 1130 every Sunday? How many of you know that there might be sometimes if Jesus was leading this church, if when you showed up, like service might be over? Because he just did everything that needed to be done. All right. Have your way. How many of you know that sometimes you come to service and, man, we might be on our knees for four hours? Jesus was unorthodox. He didn't just do things in the order of man. Jesus, Jesus was led by how his father would ask him to lead. And so here they're having this nice church service and they're doing what they normally do. And all of a sudden the roof starts cracking open. You can just imagine this guy's like, what the heck? 
heck is happening, Lord? I mean, this is like ancient Israel, right? This is thousands of years ago. Signs and wonders. And like, man, are the heavens opening? Like, what's, is something coming in? Is there angels trying to break through right now? And it's a guy on a cot. And they didn't have like little pulleys like we do and like get little Home Depot ratchets to lower them down. Right. I mean, you, this guy was probably coming down like on a rope. And I want you to think about this. He's paralyzed. He can't help himself. He's probably looking down and everyone's looking up. And what the heck is happening here? You got people from the synagogue with robes and big old hats trying to ready to rush this guy. Interrupting Jesus's service. What's wrong with you? But they lowered this sick man down with their faith. And young man, what has just come to this man? Salvation. The forgiveness of sins has now come to this man because of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins on the faith of others lowering this man at the feet of Jesus has brought salvation to him. Because these men were willing to do something that was, was so unorthodox, so unusual, so crazy, to make sure that this guy was going to land at the feet of Jesus, what happens? Salvation comes. And, 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 and I, I don't know if you ever have questions or ever wonder why as a church we have this value in the life of our church. And it's this, and I want you to remember this. Each one, bring one. Say that with me. Each one, bring one. And anything we do as a church, our heart for every, every, every retreat, every barbecue, every men's group, every women's group, every home group, Sunday morning service, everything we do, we have a value and we have a hope and a desire that as a church, we have this thing of each one bring one. And here's why. Not each one bring one because we just want to see butts in the seats. It's each one bring one because we know the value of what happens when in faith we bring people to the feet of Christ. It was by their faith, say their faith. It was by their faith that this man received salvation. And here's what I want you to understand. What was he there for? He was there for healing. He was there for healing. And so many times in church, we just don't know. Someone's marriage is falling apart. And you know what? They're not showing up to church to receive salvation from Jesus that morning. They're showing up to church because they want a healing in their marriage. Some people weren't coming to church because they're financially broken. And they're not showing up for church to find salvation. They're showing up that morning because they need something from God that's going to heal their financial situation. Just think about it. How many times when trauma or, 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 the, or, these, or these horrible things happen in our lives. And, and I'm not minimalizing these things. Many of us came to Jesus because of these things. Someone dies. Who do we look to? God. Something in our family, catastrophic, takes place. Who do we look to? God. Where do we go? You know, in California, some of the, mo the, the, the most historical spikes in church attendance in California, you want to know when they are? Right after earthquakes. Man, the floor starts shaking. 
people start getting nervous, I need to go to church. It's a real thing. Because innately, our spirit being knows that there's something more for us. Innately, our spirit being knows who we need to run to. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Please hear me. Please hear me. People know where to run. Here's the thing, though. They should know where to run because there's friends around them like you and I who are saying, we want to take you to the feet of Jesus. We see a priority of heaven here. Are you with me? We see a priority of heaven here. A spiritual condition versus a physical condition. This man comes here and Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. Salvation comes, right? So there's a priority in the kingdom of heaven. There's an eternal perspective versus an earthly perspective. And in Jesus' eternal perspective, this is what his perspective was. You need salvation. Your sins are forgiven. I don't want salvation. I'm here for some healing. Mark 3.36 says this. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Yeah, maybe physical healing comes. Maybe financial healing comes. You know what? Maybe your marriage does get on track. You know, maybe, maybe your kids get on track too. And, and maybe you do get that job. And maybe that problem that you wanted God to solve does get solved. And you know why? Because God is faithful. And he wants to prove himself to you. But if salvation doesn't come, what good is it that, that, you, that you die on this earth with, with a 401k account that's going to set up your kids for the rest of their life? What good's going to come if you find that, that physical healing that you've been desperate for, but you never received the, 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 the salvation of Christ? There's, there's, a, there's a hierarchy in, in heaven. Spiritual conditions versus physical conditions. And listen to this. There's also a, a hierarchy of physical conditions versus financial conditions. Listen to this. Acts 3, 6. But Peter said this when he sees the layman who is laying at the temple gates. I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, rise up and walk. Here's why I'm saying this. Because many times we come to Jesus and we're looking for him to meet our financial needs and we have no concerns for the spiritual ones. We have no concerns for the spiritual ones. I want my healing, but I don't want salvation. I want Jesus to fix my finances, but I'm not sure about salvation. Peter says, silver and gold have I none. What I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Are you saying, Jody, that Jesus doesn't bless our finances? No, of course not. But whatever, let's just say, okay, you know, Peter, supernaturally, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ad lib. Please, I'm not adding to scripture. Let's just say, Peter went like this, and so, Lord, I don't have anything but lint in my pocket. Lord, I got a guitar pick. Can you turn this guitar pick into a gold piece so that I can give it to this man so that he can eat today? And let's just say that happens. Boom, happens. All right, gold piece. Here you go, my brother. God bless you. He gets to eat today. What happens tomorrow? What happens the week after that? Now listen, I'm not saying we don't give. Of course we give. Of course we got to stop judging the guy outside of 7-Eleven who asks you for a dollar because what are you going to buy, a beer? 
It's not up to you. If God puts it on your heart to give it to him, give it to him. And give it to him in the name of Jesus. But I'm telling you, there's a whole lot more we can be giving. I don't have silver and gold, but I, what I do have, I will give you. There's more even on the physical. right? God was more concerned with this guy's physical healing than he was with his financial situation. So there's hierarchy in, in, in the kingdom. Are you guys getting with me? You sure? Okay. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law, so this is back to Luke, but the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? Right? Can you imagine how you would feel? I mean, just think about this. Where I'm up here ministering. I'm not Jesus. Please, I'm not Jesus. But I'm up here ministering, and the roof starts cracking open, and then Eric starts freaking out because we just fixed all that up there. Numbers start rattling like, man, that was 1500 bucks. That was 2200 bucks. And you know the tar, you know the pitch, you know how hard it is to get that stuff like that. I mean, we just, right? And then you start thinking because you just brought a guest. What the heck? I just, this is a visitor. And someone's going to just break through the roof. What the heck is happening here? And then service got to go a little longer because our service got interrupted. And we just start getting upset. Like, who, who do these people think they are? And he's just going to stop. He's going to stop preaching to deal with this guy. Why don't someone kick him out so we can move on with the service? Who does this man think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Then Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them. He knew he discerned in their heart what they were thinking. So he asked them, do you question this in your hearts? Do you question this thing of me giving salvation to this man? Are you really questioning that right now? Are you really questioning that I have the ability to say to this young man, your sins are forgiven? Are you really questioning that? I don't believe anyone's questioning that in this room today. But listen to this. He says, is it easier to say, and I want us to think about this. Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. Jesus just put a scale in front of us. And I want us to think about this. Which one tips the scale on which is more priority to Jesus or has more priority to Jesus? Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. Which one would you take? Which one would you, would you want for, for your family members? Which one would you want for your friends who you know that are desperate for Jesus but may be in a really bad situation? Which one, which one would you accept? The salvation of Christ, eternity with our Father in heaven or winning that last crazy Powerball lotto that just passed? Think about it. Which one? And this is what Jesus is putting before the religious you tell me which one's easier for me to say if I'm not God, if I'm just a man and he's being facetious with them. Will you tell me what's easier for me to look at this young man and say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And I'm telling you, it's a question as followers of Jesus and those who are to be Christ like. This is a question we have to ask ourselves. Which one is the it was all about it to forgive sins? I'm going to do the service, and I know it's rubbing you the wrong way, that I'm going to leave him in the condition that he's in just by giving him forgiveness of his sins. So let me prove to you that I have authority, not just over his sins, 
But here you go. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And this is what I want us to, to, to just rest for it for a second, church. When the salvation of Jesus comes to those who are desperate for an encounter with him, Jesus doesn't leave them in the same place that they were. Are you hearing me? And so many times we, we forget that God is this thing of salvation is not just this eternal thing. It is a full package. And I believe, honestly, I believe that this thing sozo, salvation, this word in the Greek is sozo that, that you read throughout scripture. When you see salvation in the Greek, you see sozo. And the word sozo means healed, saved, and delivered. That means there's so much more that, 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 that comes in your free pass to heaven. There's so much more that comes here on this earth in the here and now. Mental healing, physical healing, relational healing, life-changing things that take place in your life when you say yes to the salvation of Jesus Christ. You kidding? You think Jesus was going to leave this man in that place? He was just setting a priority for all those who were looking. And he was letting them know, I'm more concerned with this man's salvation than I am with his paralysis. But if you need some proof, here you go. Stand up and walk. Go home. That messes with me. Stand up and walk. It wasn't, it wasn't this whole thing. And yes, he was Jesus. But here's something that Jesus said. Greater things you will do in my name. And I think that's a, that's a verse that we, we wrestle with as a church. That's a verse we wrestle with. Just think about that. When's the last time the Holy Spirit prompted you to pray for someone out in public? And tell me how you haven't started sweating and your heart starts beating, right? And you start looking around and see who's around and look at you. People are going to think you're a weirdo. And then we start actually fearing the person who's desperate for God. Man, what if the guy, you know, does, I mean, just. I, I've, I've wrestled with that. Maybe you've wrestled with that. But I'm telling you, when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have to learn to not only surrender to understanding the surrender in our lives to Jesus, it's surrendering our will to God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is not to be manipulated by us. We are supposed to allow ourselves to be used at his will. And so when the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray for someone, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak the gospel, to speak truth, to speak prophetic words, and let me remind you what prophetic words are, words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's not like, hey, if you don't receive salvation, you're going to be going to hell. That's not good news. That's bad news. Hell is absolutely a, a, a true place. But is that the good news? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And whoever believes in him, what, will not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a truth of hell in that package. But tell me all the good news that's in there. God loved you so much that he gave. And if you would believe, you don't have to go to hell. You get to be in eternity with him face to face. Verse 28, after Jesus tells this guy, stand up and walk. And it says, and immediately, as everyone watched, as who watched? Everyone watched. And I love that about Jesus. 
I love that about Jesus. He used optimal times to demonstrate the glory of his father so that he can have optimal impact. And we can say what we want about evangelists and people who, who work in these big crusades. I'm telling you, you know why God does stuff like that in different in those big arenas? Because he wants to show off his glory. He doesn't want, he's not trying to show off a gift or a vessel, a man or a woman. He's trying to show off his glory. And I'm telling you, any man who would put their name in lights over Jesus, you should run. God's glory. So, and immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, he picked up his mat, and he went home. But listen how he went home. Praising God. Right? There used to be, uh-oh, all those kids songs. He went walking and leaping and praising God. You might remember that. Verse 26 reads like this. I'm reading my numbers wrong. Everyone was gripped. Can you say gripped? And everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. They praised God, exclaiming, listen to this. We have seen amazing things today. When's the last time you've left the presence of God like that? When's the last time you've, you've left a prayer meeting, of a service? Like, we've seen amazing things today. Last night, we saw amazing things. We saw amazing things. And I'm telling you, we have to get comfortable with seeing amazing things. Keir Taylor said something last night, and I don't know what he's going to preach next week. I hope I don't over-talk what he's going to talk. But he said this. He says, when, Pete, when the church begins to see signs and wonders, they start listening differently. These people, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, they're like, oh my, what? What? And then Jesus said, rise up and walk, go home. And then they're like, whoa, what? So it was at first it was a question, and then the question was like, whoa, are you kidding me? They're going to listen a little bit differently now. You got to believe that the next time Jesus said your sins are forgiven, there was no question in their hearts like, yeah, he gets to do that. He could do that. Because he was walking in the authority and the power of whom? The Holy Spirit. Their faith. So I'm going to give you some points before we land this. Their faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Some of us are where we are because of someone else's faith. If that's true for your life, say amen. And some of us had praying parents. Some of us had, had, had praying family members. Some of us had a friend who loved us enough to take us to church. Some of us had friends who would stand with us through thick and thin to get us to a place we were. Some of us stood alongside of us through the discipleship process to make sure that we were going to be landing in a safe place with Jesus. Some of us had people who had faith on our behalf and are where we are today. And I'm not saying that's everyone's story because I know there's road to Damascus stories. I know some of us needed to be slapped off our horse and Jesus had to reveal himself to us in a cell room or something else like that. I know that. God can do what he wants to do because he is sovereign. But I'm telling you, the way we see it demonstrated mostly in the New Testament through the saints is it was the faith of others that brings salvation to others. Right? You just think about the disciples, their faith to preach the gospel. And what happens? People's hearts are turned towards God and they respond. Someone else's faith response actually is a catapult into our relationship with Jesus. And we have to recognize that. 
right? Just think about just who was that person for you? Was it a friend? Was it a family member? Uh, in, in my case, it was, it, was, it was an entire church. It was a church that met here in the 80s. Bella Vista Church, the entire community was my salvation package. It was this, this woman who used to sit in the back. Her name, her name was Butch. It was a weird thing. She was a, 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 an older lady. She was probably in her 80s, and her name was Grandma Butch. And, and I know that would be funny today, but that was her name. And she used to pass out hubba bubba bubble gum. And after service, we ran to her because we wanted one of those bubble gums. And those bubble gums were one of the comforts for me as a young child entering into a whole new atmosphere that I knew nothing about. It was a community that brought me to salvation. At the age of 10, I gave my life to Jesus here, baptized there, 10 years old. Who was it for you? Others' faith who brings us to a place. I'm telling you, Restoration LA is one of those places. I'm convinced that people aren't all going to say yes to Jesus the first time they walk through these doors. I'll I'll probably share a little testimony with me and Gavin. Um, So Gavin um, is is on the staff of LA Football Club, uh, one of the major league soccer teams here in the city. And uh, he's invited me to do Bible studies and things like that with the team. We have guys who come who aren't believers. But they show up. They show up to hear about Jesus. They haven't said yes to Jesus, and you can tell just like inch by inch. Just inch by inch. And I know it's a prayer of Daniel and, and, and one of the other guys, on t- or, or Gavin and Daniel, who are, who are these two catalysts for Jesus for this major league soccer team. Inch by inch. And I'm telling you, there's people who sit in churches, and it's inch by inch. They'll show up week by week. And it might not come overnight, but I'm telling you, it's our faith. It's our faith to say, hey, we're going to show up on Sunday, and we're going to give it all we got. We're going to show up on Sunday, and we're going to be a demonstration of God's power. I'm going to show up to work, and I'm going to be a demonstration of God's power. I'm, I'm going to be the light in a dark place. I'm actually going to be the hedge of protection for my entire company. I'm going to be the hedge of protection. I'm going to be the prayer warrior for my entire family. I'm going to be the prayer warrior for, for, for my whole school, for this classroom that, I, that, that is like going to hell every day. Have you ever had an environment like that, going to that class or going to that job? But you know what? I'm going to bring heaven's atmosphere down into that place, and I am going to bring salvation to this place. When's the last time we begin to look at the world around us like that? It, 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 I actually have an effect on the world around me. It was by their faith. Some of us were placed at the feet of Jesus by others at one point in our life. Right? It was people who had the ability to see that we were desperate for Jesus and had enough faith to take us to the foot of the cross. And that's who we should be as a church. Right? I want to ask you a question this morning. Who's the last person you lowered from the roof to have an authentic encounter with Jesus? Who's the last person you've lowered, took off those tiles, lowered them at the feet of Jesus? 
When is the last time your faith brought salvation to someone else's life? And I know it may feel like all kinds of pressure for you. But here's what I know. As disciples and followers of Jesus, we're to follow the pattern of Jesus. That's what being a Christian is. It's Christ-like. And here's what I believe. I believe saved people need to save people. And we know that salvation, it doesn't come through us. It comes through Jesus Christ and him alone, right? It's found people, find people. I didn't come up with these things. I just repeat them all the time. But salvation is a gift. And it's not a gift to be harbored. It's a gift to be shared. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. 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 Listen, we have the energy and we have the guts to do so many things in our life. Just think about it. I I know what kind of people we are. And I'm talking about our church. I know what kind of people you are. I I know that you'll, you'll move heaven and earth to help your family. I mean, just think about it. I know some of the things that, that, that people in the life of this church do, and I'm just like, wow, what grace. The ability to walk with people through hell, right? The ability to see people through the other side. I mean, the, the amount of energy to keep the relationships that we keep so that we can be some sort of Jesus to their life, right? This is what we do. I know that some of you would go without so that other people can have. I know some of you who give out of your pocket, even though you know that's going to chip away at what you need to put food on the table. It's the type of people we are. But I want us to think about it. If we were to really begin to harness this energy and direct it in the spiritual realm, how much more effective we could be as Christians. And listen, I'm not saying we're not going to feed the poor. Absolutely we are and we will. And I'm not saying we don't, we don't help out the, 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 the hurting and the lonely. Absolutely, we are and we will. But here's what I am saying, right? There used to be this whole thing in, in the past, you know, you give people a Coke and a smile. And I'm telling you, sometimes in, in, in church, this is what, what evangelism and outreach has looked like, right? We give people, you know, a little, a little sustenance and a smile. And we never bring them true life. We never lower them to the feet of Jesus, If we are going to be the church that is going to impact this world the way Christ has asked us to impact impact this world, it's going to take an empowered church. It's going to take a faith-filled church who is going to have the type of faith that these men had to lower this man to the feet of Jesus. And here's here's, here's the beautiful thing. Not only did did he receive salvation, oh yeah, he actually got his healing too. Isn't that amazing? So you know what? Not only are they going to receive the salvation of Jesus Christ, and you know what? And their marriage is probably going to get a whole lot better too. Their, their, their financial situation is probably going to get a whole lot better too. That addiction that they've been fighting with and struggling with, you know what? That thing's actually going to be overcome because now they're embodied by the Savior of the world, infilled with the Holy Spirit, able to walk that out in their own life. Isn't that amazing? Keir Taylor pointed that out last night about this point in scripture. As he got into it last night, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, I'm preaching that tomorrow. But he said, you know what? God, Jesus empowered that man to take care of his own mess. Get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Isn't that amazing? And so we're over here trying to be Jesus, but we're not being Jesus. We're trying to be Jesus. And, and, and I want you to kind of, there's, we need to be Jesus, but
but we are not Jesus. We are not their salvation. Jesus is their salvation, right? And sometimes, how, how many of you have ever enabled someone in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. That's a bad question. I've enabled people in my life. I'll say that. You know, you just keep putting Band-Aids. Oh, clean it up, put another Band-Aid. Up, oh, clean it up, put another Band-Aid. Up, oh, clean it up. And you never take them to the source. You never say, you know what, let's get to a doctor so that we can figure this thing out. Or even better yet, let's pray for this thing so this thing just gets handled now. Right? And we just enable and we just enable and we just enable. And they keep coming to us and they keep coming to us and they keep coming to us. How about the next time we just say, you know what? In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Or how about, hey, you need Christ in your life. And I'm telling you, when Jesus is at the center of your life, all those things you're struggling with, they're just going to begin to disappear. Do you want that kind of salvation today? Woo! It's life changing. How many of you believe that? We are not the source. We aren't the answer to anyone's problems. Jesus is. Jesus is. And everything that we do as a church needs to be done in the name of Jesus. But here's a question. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? I need money for rent. Let's go to church. What? How does that help me? Well, there's someone there that you can meet that will probably help you with that. Who? Just come to church. We got people in the life of our church that do shady stuff to get people to events in our church. <laughs> can I share? <laughs> so, so Steve, no, Steve, one of, one, one, Steve, one of our pastors, has been trying to get this guy to church. So we have this picnic. Yeah. All right. So he. Uh, Guy, so Steve said, yeah, you got to come to this picnic. The church is, no, not, come, to the, come to this picnic. And so the guy's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And Steve's like, come on, it's my son's birthday, bro. You're going to come. <laughs> this guy shows up to the picnic and it's at your church thing. You can see the guy, you can see the guy, see the guy with a birthday present. <laughs> and, you, and you see the guy's continence. He's just like. Thankfully, there's, there was other relationships. He's good. He's good. His way, it's, but listen, that, that's a version of lowering someone to the feet of Jesus' feet. It's, a, it's, it's an East L.A. version, but it works, right? But listen, Jesus is the answer. I'm having marriage issues, and, and instead of giving your Dr. Phil advice, let's take him to the feet of Jesus. Let's take them to the feet of Jesus, right? We're exerting energy and we're spinning our wheels. Is Jesus or is Jesus not the answer to the world's problems? Because if he is, then we need to be carrying around chisels to start chipping away at ceiling tiles so that we can lower people to the feet of Jesus. Amen. This man was lowered by friends to receive healing, but he received so much more. I want to do something this morning with the four minutes I have left. If you guys wouldn't mind standing. Steve and Ken, would you mind coming up here?
Oh. Um. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you come on this side, Ken? If you guys could just bow your, bow your heads. I really believe in the next season in the life of not only our church, but the Lord's church here on this planet. We're going to begin to see extraordinary things taking place. I really believe revival is stirring in the church today. And revival can't be provoked by us. We, we don't start revivals. Jesus does. But I'm telling you, we need to tap into what God is doing. And the only way to tap into what God is doing is being willing vessels to say yes. I, I've given some oil to Stephen King. And this, this is just a small act of faith. This is a small act of faith. And, and here's, here's my heart. I really believe, and I'm not going to force anyone to do anything, but I really believe that everyone in this room needs to respond to this. So this isn't a question. If you're feeling, and in my heart, everyone in this room needs to respond to this. The Lord wants to use you. It isn't a question. It isn't a question of your abilities. It isn't a question of what you did yesterday. The Lord wants to use you. He has chosen you, and he has called you by name. He has called you out of the darkness. He has called you out of your spiritual tomb. And he is saying, come forth. I have prepared great and mighty works for you. And for those who choose to respond and say yes and amen, God will reveal himself in a way that we, saw, we read through scripture today. We will see the miraculous. We will see people's lives change forevermore. We will see wonderful things take place. But this is what needs to happen. We need to say yes and amen. And so if you would like to say yes and amen, Lord, I want to be used in this way in this next season of my life. I just want you to just pass through. And I want Ken and, and Steve just to give you a blessing. They're going to anoint your hands or your head. And then I want you to just go back to your seat and just receive from the Lord this morning. And if you're willing to do that, I'm going to say come. We don't need music. We don't need anything weird like that. Just go for it. And let these guys bless you. And then we have one awesome announcement this morning that I want to give you. So Please come.